So even though interest rates have gone up at the fastest rate in a generation, a significant volume of suburbs have continued to go up, which just wouldn't be true if interest rates cause property prices to go down. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Dash.Insider, where we help you to become a better property investor. And on today's show, we talk about three trends or three factors which I believe are pointing to another property boom in Australia. Controversial, I know, but hey, bear with me. If you're interested in working out what that is, what the three factors are, and how you can potentially benefit from these three factors, then this is the episode for you. Make sure you check it out and tune in. But before we get into it, make sure you share this with a friend, family member, or loved one. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment, leave us a review, do all that good stuff. Um, my only goal is to empower you with better information so you can become a better investor. And all I ask is that you help us to spread the word and spread the love. So do that. Without any further ado, we'll get stuck right into it. And I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to Dash.Insider where we help you become a better investor. Gabby, how are you today? Good day, kind sir. I'm wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm well, thank you. I'm well. I'm very excited about today's episode. We're currently recording this as we are overlooking the Californian hills here in uh, Southern California, um, which is pretty cool. But I am very excited about today's episode because you are, it's probably – I am excited about today's episode. I think it's a, I think it's a very interesting topic. Mm-hmm. And, the, and what we is, is, is asking a question, are we headed for another property boom? Now, that might seem a little like, what? Because all the media has been talking about, you know, for the last – whatever, 12, 18 months is a property market crash, which anyone who's been listening to the podcast over that period of time knows that we haven't shared that sentiment because 100% of our clients have seen positive growth <laughs> continuously through that yep. uh, through that same period. But there is a storm brewing, I think, and it is a mean storm. And I think that um, it has some severe ramifications. So I'm excited to dig into that today. You're excited for the storm, are you, Goose? I'm excited for the storm. Yeah, I'm excited for the storm. <laughs> So, do you know what's going on, Gabby? Where do you want me to go with this? How do you want to tackle this? Do you want me to just rip into it? What do you want to do? Well, I think the reason we kind of wanted to do this one was we get asked these kind of questions all the time, right? Everyone wants to know, guys, you've got all of this data and technology and you've got all these professionals now that can do this for a living and do this really well. What do you think is coming around Mm. the corner? And so, I think that's largely why, you know, being able to pull this together into an episode to to shape like your perspective specifically on what's what's coming up. So let's rip into it. Okay, totally. Let's do that because what is more important for investors than looking at what has happened is looking at what is about to happen, I think. You know, if you can see into the future, or even just a little bit, you don't even need to have like predictive models and stuff. But if you can then start to look at the direction we're going and start to extrapolate into the future, you can start to make better investing decisions. Now, there's three key factors which I think point to the fact that we are imminently about to have another property boom, which again, I know may seem a little contrarian given the current environment, given, you know, how the media has reported real estate performance over the last, you know, whatever, 18 months or or so on and so forth. But there's a couple of things that are happening which I think are very uh, interesting. Now, you know me, I'm all across the kind of like the stats and the facts and stuff. So if you want to mm-hmm. dig into any of this stuff and pull it apart, then we can kind of talk about it. How does that sound? Cool. So Sweet. The first, awesome. So there's three main factors that I think that are potentially going to drive another property boom. Now I'm going to say potentially because anything can still happen, right? And there's some caveats that are going to come around, uh, all of this kind of stuff. But 
The three things are we're looking at massive population increase um, through international migration. We're looking at massive building approval rate decline. And I think we are nearing the end of the rate rising cycle. Now, let's talk about the first one because this is very, very, very interesting. Population increase, more specifically uh, immigration. Now, the population increased by 1.6% recently, which is huge, which is massive. And in fact, our annual migration was at a 15-year high at over 300,000 people in in the um, annual numbers at the September quarter, which is massive, right? So we've got... The, some of the, um, it's the 15 year high in terms of uh, migration. So it's the, we've got tremendous amount of people pouring into the country, hundreds of thousands of them. And in fact, the forecast was for 180,000 in the 2022, 2023 year. And we've had 300,000, not the same measurement period to be fair. And then 235,000 projected for 24, 24, 25. But we're already smashing those numbers, like just absolutely blistering those numbers, which is great for the economy, by the way. I think it's awesome. I'm pro-immigration. I think it's I think it's great. However, what that does mean is we've got all these people flooding in, left, right, and center, and there's not many houses getting built. And so it's actually a big question. It's like, where are they going? Like literally, where are they going? You know, when we very first started Dashlot, I think the stat at the time was that we we're roughly four hundred thousand houses short of what we needed to be able to house everyone in Australia, roughly. And that has only gotten worse because we've seen significantly less building approval rates over the last couple of years. So at the end of the day, now there's many more factors that layer into the real estate market. It's not just population movement, although that tends to be a major factor in what drives real estate markets is where people are moving. And so as you have more people coming into the country, naturally people need a place to live. Like that is the function of residential real estate is to give people a place to live. (laughs) And so more people... And broadly speaking, the same amount of houses means that prices are looking to go up. What do you think about that, Gabby? Yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, not to to sidestep too far here, but why do you think there's been more immigration than anticipated? Um, well, government policy for one. So the government turned around and said, hey, we want to we want to drive a ton of immigration because it's better for the economy. You know, during COVID, obviously, students went back home and did like, there was loads of stuff that kept international mo- migration away. And so there was a big push to try and bring that back. Now, the migration that we've seen over the last, over the last whatever, 12 or 18 months has been a mix of skilled migrants and international students and, you know, and also family reunions and stuff like that. And so what we're actually really seeing is probably as much as anything, a bit of a catch up from the COVID period when we didn't have any of the international migration, but also everything was on pause at that same, over that same period of time. And so not only are we getting more students coming back in, but we're also getting a lot of skilled workers coming in, which again, I think is good. I'm pro-immigration. So I think that I think it's a very good thing. But yeah, combination of government policy and borders opening up and opportunity as well. You know, like you really look at Australia economically and also from a lifestyle perspective, it's very hard to find a better country to live in than Australia, all things being, you know, and uh, I know we're in the US right now and, and if Americans heard, us say, heard me say this, we'd probably get deported or something. But I've got to say, it's like it, Australia is probably the best country in the world, you know, in terms of mm. quality of living, disposable income, you know, all of these kind of factors. And so it's a very desirable place to be for lots of people around the world. And so when people have the opportunity to emigrate to Australia through their student visa or whether it be through a skilled, work, skilled migrant visa or something like that, they're, they're like people who take it up. And so really it comes down to what is the government policy? And the government has said, hey, let's open the floodgates a little bit. Now the floodgates have been well and truly opened. And that's what we're starting to see now is, is all these people piling in. Yeah, cool. And I guess like psychographically as well, the last few years, I think there's been a lot of people kind of shifting values of like, you know what, I want to live somewhere that I enjoy living. 
And I feel like that probably has influenced mm. the, the immigration as well. Cool. So, uh, yeah, totally. the immigration. Well, yeah, so that that that. I'll, I'll just quickly add on to that as well because it's not just it's not just that. It's also it's also things like if you look around the world economically right now, you know, inflation is through the roof in the US. It's through the roof in the UK. You know, there's like. Most countries around the world are really struggling economically through inflation and rising interest rates. Now, that is happening in Australia too, but nowhere near as bad as the rest of the world. And so from a kind of like uh, economic opportunity standpoint, Australia has one of the best economies in the entire world. And that's been proven time and time again through the last range of different various global crises that have happened. And so it really is a safe haven for people looking for economic security. Yeah, cool. Sweet. So with immigration, we're saying more people... But the same amount of houses, so prices, you know, inevitably most likely to go up, right? Yeah, pretty much, right? But here's the, here's the other side of things as well. Building approval rates are on the decline, which is the second point, right? So building approval yep. rates fell by 27.6% in January. That's a, that was a one-month decline. That's seasonally adjusted, right? So 27.6% down, which is the single greatest decline in building approval rates since I think they started recording building approval rates back in 1980. So, And it's also, we're at the lowest total approvals since mid-2012. So there's about 12,000 building approvals in January, you know, which is about the lowest since like roughly mid-2012, which is about half, just for context, is about half of what the building approval rate was in March 2021. Now, basically, what has happened since March 2021 is we've seen a consistent decline in building approval rates. And that is coming from a range of different factors. So a lot of builders, developers have been going, bust. That's not obviously a good thing, but that's the facts. And they've been going bust because of a couple of reasons. Interest rates have been going up, which means that you know a lot of developments and off the plan, like people that were building and were planning to finance to build, haven't been able to get the finance to be able to settle on the build, which has been driving, which has been you know putting the pressure back on the developers and stuff and stuff like that. And then also supply chain constraints. And so we have things like it's like the cost of building a house like doubled or something in the last in the last couple of years. And so the capability for people to actually build houses has fallen off and. The actual companies that do it have fallen off as well. And so you've got less companies building houses and less people. So it's, it's fallen off a cliff. Now, it was already at crisis levels. We look at things like, you know, the vacancy rate you know, around the country is at record lows. It's been at record lows for bloody years now. It's, it's ridiculous. We have a genuine rental crisis. We have a general, genuine housing affordability crisis. Now, this sounds weird saying that people as people who help people to invest and stuff like that. But what people don't realize is investors actually help the rental crisis because they bring more rental stock back onto the market. And so if we actually want to help the rental crisis, we actually need to get more people investing. It's actually, but the thing is, you've got to change one side of the equation. There needs to be more houses. At the end of the day, there's only a finite supply. So if you, let's say you took all, let's say we split up the country and we said, all right, 50% of the houses are going to be rentals. Well, then that is going to drive, which is less than what it is right now. I think it's roughly about 30% rentals or something like that. But if we then did that and shifted the balance, what that would do is if you had the same amount of people who wanted to buy, broadly speaking, then that would drive more price pressure. And so you've got this seesaw effect, which can only be resolved if you add more stock into the market. And so when we see things like building approval rates declining, like tremendously declining and at the lowest levels in like 10 years uh, or just over 10 years and you know at the single largest uh, monthly decline since they started keeping records this is not a good sign you know this is not a good sign for people who want to get into the market it does point to the fact that we are going to see much more deeper rental crisis and and accelerating prices which again if you're trying to buy a home it could be a bad thing if you're an investor getting into the market that could be a very very good thing and again investors actually have a role to play here in actually solving the rental crisis and so when we look at these things, we can see that not only do we have 
hundreds of thousands of people coming into the country, which is massive, right? A 1.6% increase in population. We're up to just over 26 million now in Australia, which is big, right? And so we've got over 26 million people. We had 300,000 people migrated into Australia. That was up to September 22, and I think that's going to continue on that trend over the next 12 months. We've got record low building approval rates. And so what that means is we have more people and less houses. That is not a recipe for solving any of these things. And now once you push those push those things together, the only natural outcome is that prices and rents are going to continue to accelerate. And so this is, I think, this is kind of like the two major things that are pointing to a systemic underlying structural positioning of upward mobility for prices and rents. And so even though we currently, consumer sentiment is still quite low at the moment, it hasn't really actually changed much over the last few months. Consumer sentiment is still sitting at pretty much near record lows, which is understandable. Inflation is still high and uh, interest rates have been going up and all of that kind of stuff. But take that out of the picture. We actually have this kind of like structural upheaval saying that's pointing to the fact that prices, rents and property prices are only going to go up, which is huge. Because if you can zoom out and look at that macro, you can actually start to then position yourself to maximize that opportunity as an investor. Yeah. What do you think is the macro solve for that situation? I mean, obviously, if you're a property investor and you own assets, it's a good time to be holding an asset. But macro, like fast forward a few years, we're we're continuing to get increased immigration. We're continuing to have undersupply in terms of new homes built. Like, What do you think the solve is there? The only solve is more houses. That's the only solve. And so- like at the current rates or that like, and this is not a new thing, remember, this is like this trend in undersupply of houses in Australia is, it's been going on for years and years and years and years. You know, our population has been outstripping our building approval rates for a very, very long time. And so what we're actually pointing to is a, is a like systemic kind of failure in, in our capability to keep up. Now, it's not as simple as just go build more houses. I mean, it kind of is, right? But you've also got to consider how much arable land gets gets carved up and distributed by by local governments for for developments. Like things have to change. And if you all you need to do is look at a place like Singapore or a place like Hong Kong to see what happens when you have constrained supply and increasing population. Those two places have got constrained supply and they've got some of the most expensive real estate in the world. I think Hong Kong actually does have the most expensive real estate in the world. And the reason for that is they're, is they're geographically constrained and population has continued to increase, which has caused property prices to just balloon and get out of control. Now, it might seem a bit weird given the size of Australia that, that, that effectively that similar kind of situation can take place, but that is effectively what is happening. And so if you can kind of zoom out and see that macro, it's like, I mean, there would have to be a major, like major government intervention to solve the the kind of like current trajectory of where house, where house prices and rents are going. You know, there'd probably need to be something like government would need to intervene and build like a million houses or something like that. It's, it's huge. Yeah. The scale of the solution is phenomenally massive. And I think what that actually points is to a bigger structural shift in how people are going to live. And that's going to actually point to more renters and a few other, there's a few kind of like demographic or behavioral shifts that I think are going to take place, which we've already seen taking place over the last few years, you know, like more people moving to smaller accommodation, but also there's a change in the way people are living. If you go back 10, 20, 30 years, the family, people would stay at home living with their parents until they moved out and got married and then they had a family. And so you had this propensity for people to live in aggregated clumps of 
you know, two, three, four people. Now, with more people that are single for longer and more people who are uh, choosing to be independent for longer and people waiting longer to have kids or choosing not to have kids, which is another different topic altogether, you know, you're seeing that there is more dwellings required for the same amount of people because, you know, there's less density per household. And so that's putting additional pressure on the uh, on the real estate market as well. Yeah, it's super interesting at a macro level, isn't it? Yeah, it's super interesting at the macro level. And if you can understand, like understanding how to duck and weave is super important, right? And we've talked about that before. When the when the environment changes, change your approach, change your mindset, work with the situation. But also you've got to look at these things like on a longer timescale and a, and a bigger picture timescale. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that macro, this is something that you are going to want to get behind, you know? I've said it before and I'll say it again, but the best way to make money is to work out where demand is going, stand in front of it and open your wallet. And then it's, and it's one of those situations here where it's like, okay, so, you know, then it just, if we can understand that real estate, broadly speaking, is poised for tremendous amount of growth, then you've just got to work out, well, where are people going and why? And that's a whole other science to work out where people are going and why. But then what is going to happen is some areas will outperform others. So it is not a situation where the entire property market is going to go up that is just not what happens. And so just in the same way that we've seen the real estate market in Sydney decline and everyone say the Australian market has declined, which it hasn't. Some markets have declined, but some markets always decline and some markets always go up. And so what you've got to understand is that this macro trend doesn't mean just go and buy any property anywhere because all real estate is going to go up because people don't people aren't water they don't just come into the country and then just like distribute and find you know some kind of equilibrium they will go to where the best opportunities are where the best lifestyle is and so it's the it's the holy trinity of location selection which is jobs lifestyle and affordability people have got to have a reason to go there they've got to have a reason to stay and they've got to be able to afford to be there and if, if any location can tick those boxes, and those factors are relative, they are relative to the demographics of the area, they're relative to the opportunity. So for example, if you had, you know, I actually don't know what the average monthly or average weekly income is in Bondi, but I would assume that it is higher than some, you know, small regional country town. But if it's, if something happened in that in a small regional country town, we see this happening in mining towns all the time, where a lot of mining workers will come in and they're on huge salaries, right? Massive salaries. And so what happens in these mining towns is that the prices balloon up to meet the affordability capabilities of the, of the mm-hmm. wages in the area. And so as the economics of the individuals shift in those areas, so do the economics of the uh, real estate market. Because real estate markets do find a natural cap based on what the economic opportunity looks like in that area. So if you've got new opportunities coming into a location, which are going to drive jobs growth and potentially wage growth or new economic kind of levels and layers within that within that market, then you'll see price growth to meet to meet that, um, which is a very interesting thing as well. Mm. Mm. Cool. What do you think about that on the on the affordability track. There, let's uh, let's talk about interest rates. Yes, love them. So we've talked about the fact that interest <laughs> rates don't affect the prop. Don't aren't love them. Let me just say. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase it. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> Interest rates don't directly cause property prices to go down. What actually happens is affordability. And so then affordability affordability changes and then affordability is relative to the specific markets, which is why some property markets have continued to go up even when interest rates have risen at the fastest rate in, I can't remember the stat, but the very uh, fastest rate in a generation, I think is what they're saying. So even though interest rates have gone up at the fastest rate in a generation, a significant volume of suburbs have continued to go up which just wouldn't be true if interest rates cause property prices to go down. 
Interest rate causes investor and homeowner affordability considerations, which makes them choose where they're going to invest, which is why more expensive markets like Sydney tend to perform worse when there are interest rate interest rate rises. And so the other thing that actually happens is it affects consumer confidence. And so when it affects consumer confidence, because people are like, wonder how bad this is going to get, wonder what this is going to mean for me in my, in my hip pocket, you know, they start to then consider, is now the right time for me to invest? Is now the right time for me to buy a home? Is now the right time for me to change my situation? And so yeah. what is very interesting is that the there is a thing called the ASX 30-day interbank cash rate futures implied yield curve, which Ooh. is a bloody big mouthful. I'll, I'll say that again. <laughs> Please do. ASX is in the the Australian Stock Exchange. The ASX 30-day interbank cash rate futures implied yield curve. All together now. Which is a fair... (laughs) ASX 30-day interbank cash rate futures implied yield curve. Rolls off the tongue. Beautiful. Um, Basically... Basically, what that is is kind of like a money market forecast of where bond, where the bond yield is going to sit over time. And so, that is a fancy way of saying that is what the money markets think is going to happen with interest rates because there's a, there's a very yeah. high correlation between interest rates and bond and bond yields. Now, what is super interesting is that if you look at the current ASX 30-day interbank cash rate futures applied yield curve. What you'll actually see is that the money markets are effectively pricing in one more rate rise and then the start of a rate decline. Now, Mm. I am not saying, just to be clear and for the record, I am not saying that we have one more rate rise and then interest rates are going to come down. The reason I am not saying that is because we do still need to see what's going to happen with headline inflation. The latest data still shows that there is um, some inflationary pressure and so I think me, for me personally, and I'm typically bullish, I'm not re- yet ready to say we're at the top, but I think we're getting pretty close. And I think the market thinks that we're getting pretty close as well. And what the recent bank collapses in the US, so the Silicon Valley Bank and the Signature Bank uh, bank collapses, they have shown the impact that higher interest rates are happening and what tends to happen is if the US coughs, we sneeze type thing. And so the and then there's also the Credit Suisse, which is one of the largest banks in the world. And that is under a lot of pressure at the moment because their their largest investors said they wouldn't keep topping up that. So we have this kind of like big systemic bank collapse risk going on. And so the implication is that it is becoming more and more likely that central banks will need to soften their monetary policy and actually start to bring interest rates back. Now, again, I say that cautiously because there is still underlying inflation figures that need to be taken into consideration before before we can kind of make any calls on that. However, again, I don't think we're far off. Now, if we go back to you know March, April, May last year, we, st- we even then we were saying that the interest rate rising cycle would not last for that long. Potentially, eighteen to twenty-four months was basically what we were saying back then. Now, we're kind of broadly speaking coming up to the 12-month mark, so there might still be a little bit of time to go, but I really think that we are starting to get close to it. And what I expect is going to happen is even if all that happens is interest rates stop going up, that is going to change the psychology of investors and homeowners because they're going to have more certainty around the future. They're going to feel more comfortable to enter into the market. Now, there are a lot of people sitting on the sidelines right now. And fair enough too. And But the thing is, as soon as those people that are sitting on the sidelines get an inkling 
that it's comfortable to get back in, they're going to start charging back into the market. And as we've already pointed out, with tremendous amounts of immigration and tremendously low building approval rates, as we start to then add more pressure, which is going to be people who are already here starting to make buying decisions again, that is going to then start to drive property prices up a lot more. And so what I actually think is going to happen is a tsunami, so to speak, of activity into the in the property market. And I, like, I just, you know, it's almost a little bit startling, a little bit daunting. It's like, holy smokes. Like when you actually start to weigh up what the opportunity is, if interest rates start to come down or yeah. when interest rates start to come down, should I say, when interest rates start to come down, can you imagine, can you just imagine the velocity with which property prices and rents are going to start shooting up? It's crazy. And so all of this kind of points to, and again, it might not happen in the next month. It might not happen in the next two months, but certainly, you know, this is a storm that is brewing and it is a big storm and it is a storm that is not going to be solved easily. This is not a blip in the ocean. This is not a, um, you know, like sometimes what can happen when consumer sentiment declines, people's spending habits tighten up, and then once the consumer sentiment bounces back, they all rush out to the shops and start spending money. We kind of like saw that COVID bump, you know, like when everyone started going out and started spending money again, we saw, you know, and that was a bit of a sugar hit that hit, it hit yeah. the economy. This is not a sugar hit situation. This is not one of these things where people are going to get excited and there's going to be some pent up kind of like um, excitement and we're going to see a, like a quick flurry of like a six-month little spurt in pro- this is, this is like major systemic stuff. And so, yeah, I think that we are on the precipice of a, a rocket ship, so to speak. That is my, that is my point of view and, and I'm prepared to kind of back that. I just can't see an outcome that would make that not true, barring some kind of uh, further black swan event. Uh, but even then, all that would need to happen would uh, to get to the other side of the black swan event and it take off again because the systemic issue is so large like let's just play through a scenario let's say that it was let's say covid hit again or something i don't know let's say let's just say something caused the entire economy to shut down for 12 months for for some reason as soon as the economy got turned back on again we'd still have the same freaking problem like the problem isn't going away it's not getting any smaller it's not a timing issue you know and so the structural nature of it points to the fact that there is really only one direction the property prices are going to go macro. You still do need to pick the right location, but it's um, it's huge, I think. What do you think about all this? Yeah, it's interesting because I think any of those three points, like increased immigration, decreased building approvals, and the flattening of the interest rate rises, right? Any three of those playing into a situation, you're going to anticipate price rises. And so I think having the three of them simultaneously on the boil is really interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I think that, you know, I you run the risk sometimes of being certainly like I run the risk sometimes of people thinking that I'm just unnecessarily bullish. <laughs> yep. Because I'm because I'm frequently saying that property prices are going to go up. The thing is, I'm not out here to be a bull. Like, you know, I'm out here to try and help people make informed intelligent property decisions. And if the situation was that there was some major structural shift happening that was going to, let's say we had a huge oversupply. Let's say building approvals were like outstripping the population and there were continuing to be more building approvals. I'd be sitting there saying, whoa, 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 like, hang on a second. We need to think about this. And we've seen, it, we've seen that map out in a few places like Brisbane oversupply with apartments and stuff. So you sort of see it map out and you stay away. But this isn't one of those situations. And I think that where people need to kind of wake up is what this kind of really people people kind of think that the real estate market kind of goes up and crashes and does all, does all this kind of stuff but there's just the tailwinds are just too strong 
And I think that people really need to kind of wake up to what that opportunity looks like and start to see through the noise. The good thing is, if you're not ready to get in now, this is we're talking about a major structural thing. So this isn't like a quick get in now because the only opportunity is going to be in the next month. Now, don't get me wrong, when everybody else starts racing back into the market, it is going to be a red ocean and you are going to be fighting everybody else. But the fact of the matter is, at the same time, we're talking about a generational trend here. This is not something that's going to be over in the blip of an eye. This is something that is going to be you know, a hallmark, in my opinion, of Australian real estate for the next, geez, I don't even know how long, but long time. And so if you're sitting there going, oh my God, oh my God, I'm getting anxious. Am I going to miss out? So work within the constraints of your own uh, personal situation. Work within the constraints. Now, I would suggest that it is a very good time to get into real estate if you're in a position to do it. If you're in a position to do it and you're not doing it, I'd suggest that you're making a mistake. If you're not in a position to do it, that is okay. Don't worry because the opportunity is not going to go away anytime soon, right? Unless, again, unless there's some major, major thing like a world war or something like that, which would fundamentally change the dynamics of the situation. But aside from that, yeah, I think we're looking at a huge a huge trend as we move forward. Do you think this is um, useful for people, Gabby? Yeah, it is. I just, I'm just thinking through like how, what should people do with this information? Like you're saying the opportunity is coming up. If someone's on the fence right now, they've been on the sidelines waiting should they, if they have the opportunity to get in now versus maybe wait, save a little more, get in in, say, six months' time? So here's my direct opinion. If you are able to buy real estate right now, you should buy real estate right now. The reason I say that is because it takes time. Like it takes time to find the right property. And just when I say get into real estate, by the way, and go buy real estate, I do not mean just go buy anything anywhere, you know, just randomly pick something and just go buy a house. house No, you've got to do it strategically. You've got to make sure you're buying the right property in the right place at the right time. And so, you know, obviously people listening to this podcast know that that's what we do and that's how we help people. And if you want help, great, just go to the website dashdot.com.au. This is not meant to be a sales pitch, right? This is just facts. And so if you are able to get in right now, I would suggest that now is the freaking best time to get in because what is going to happen is you've got literally hundreds of thousands of people sitting on the fence thinking about buying. And as soon as interest rates start to tip off and come down a little bit, they're all going to jump off the fence and rush into it. And when that happens, you're going to have increased competition and you're going to have prices that are going up. Now, if you buy now, when prices go up, you're capturing all the gains, right? And so you're actually going to be significantly further ahead. And you, you mentioned there, like, should people save more? The fact of the matter is you're not going to save faster than, than leveraged real estate anyway. Like it's unlikely unless you're in a very in a highly liquid kind of position. And so, you know, if you have the choice between buying a $350,000 property today or a $400,000 property in, I don't know, eight months time, I'd say go buy this $350,000 property today because you're going to be in market, right? And you're going to start getting the benefits mm-hmm. of that. Now, it's all going to come down to your capability to borrow and stuff as well. And so the first step is to actually go speak to your broker, go speak to someone and say, hey, can I actually, can I do this? Like, what are my options? And then work out how to get, work out whether you're in a position to get going. It's not just about whether you have, you know, savings or anything like that. It's about, do you have actually the capability to get the party started, so to speak? And if so, then I would, you know, genuinely suggest that as long as you are strategically buying the right property in the right place at the right time because not all markets will go up. Just want to reiterate that. Now That's a lot important. of people have a lot of people have it's super important, right? Because what happened at the start of COVID and a lot of and people have very short memories. Right? What happened at the start of COVID is that broadly speaking, we had an everywhere boom. 
you know, something like 90% of suburbs yep. went up. And so what I think may happen is that people think, oh, when the real estate market goes up, it all goes up. And when the real estate market goes down, it all goes down because we had an everywhere boom. And then we had, then we have the media saying we have an everywhere bust, which is just not true. What we've actually seen is we've actually seen a return to normality where a percentage of the real estate market goes up and a percentage goes down and a percentage, broadly speaking, stays about the same. And so what is more important right now is to get that that positioning correct, get to make sure you're buying the right property in the right place at the right time. And if you can do that, then absolutely, it's a freaking awesome time to buy. Now, if you're not in a position to get started, just know that you have not missed out. And I would suggest do everything you can to get ready as soon as you can to be able to participate. Wealth creation is one of the the best things that you can do for your family and your community. You know, as we build wealth as a society, we actually get to spread more abundance and have a greater impact. And there's like huge benefits to you being that person in your community and in your family. And there's no greater wealth accumulation asset for the vast majority of people than real estate. And so, yeah, I would suggest that take this as an opportunity, as a bit of a sign to go, okay, cool, hurry up, get stuck into it because, you know, it is going to move pretty quickly once it starts moving. Cool. Awesome. What do you think about this, Gabby? Any other thoughts that we should, do you think we should um, share with people? I think maybe just one other situational because it's, it's a little bit niche, but I think some people listening to this will be thinking it through. It's like we've, we've covered a bit about if you're on the sidelines thinking about getting in, what should you do? But how about if you're currently in market and you have an asset or a few assets that you've been thinking about letting go, maybe due to affordability for yourself? contemplating that this boom potential boom is around the corner like how how should people be thinking about it in that situation it's a really good question and so the the nuance in that is where are the properties yeah right so as we've just been spent time laboring the point around the locations just because there is a going to be upward pressure on prices doesn't mean it's going to be upward pressure everywhere so firstly it comes down to where are the properties and why are you selling now one thing, that, and this is not financial advice, some people are concerned because interest rates have gone up, their properties have become cash flow negative, and they don't know what to do about it. Now, on a recent episode, I spoke with Jason. In fact, has it come out yet? I'm not sure. Anyway, there's an episode coming up where I talked with Jason about how to optimize your portfolio to maximize cash flow. But you know, let's just say you can't do any of those things that we talked about in that episode. There is a consideration that some people are squeezed and they're like, I can't afford to hold these properties anymore. There could still be an opportunity for you to refinance some equity out of those properties and put those to put that equity in offsets, and that's going to create a buffer for your mortgage repayments to be put to to draw down from. That can actually give you a bit of a buffer. Again, not financial advice. Go speak to a specialist. This is I'm absolutely not. Don't take any of that as advice. I'm just suggesting it is a pathway that some people can use in some situations, sometimes in order to create a buffer. Now, the important thing to remember though is that this is all going to pass, and all of the decisions we make layer up to create the life that we want. And so sometimes it's a consideration around what are you prepared to sacrifice? Sometimes you're already sacrificing everything you can and you've got to make those hard calls. Now, if you are in the right place, <laughs> then I would suggest hang on to it, right? Because the the upside is going to be worth more than the short-term pain. But there is a consideration around like, you know, around the location piece to be able to make that an astute decision. Broadly speaking though, broadly speaking, let's say you have bought a property in uh, a location which has seen property price decline, right? Let's say you're actually in a location where interest rates have gone up and rents haven't, or, you know, interest rates have gone up and so your the mortgage has gone up and the property price has gone down and you're maybe sitting there going, shit, prices have gone down, 
and interest rates have gone up and oh my God, everything's red. I hate this and I want to get out. I would probably suggest that now is not the time to do it. There was a time to exit, but that time has probably passed. And so my advice would be, if you can, hang on because those locations which have gone down are likely to kind of come back up again over the next few years. And so, again, it's not talking about buying the dip in, you know, but it's like some places have seen price pressure because of interest rate of interest rates and affordability. And so, what you probably see is you'll see some elasticity back in those markets, which are going to bring bring prices back up back up a bit again. And so, I think it comes down to kind of a situational analysis around where the properties are and about and what makes sense. And again, everyone's personal situation is unique and everyone's so therefore everyone's investing, you know, advice should be unique and all of that kind of stuff too. And so I suggest make sure that you're speaking with a finance professional to get advice on what to do about your personal finances. And then if you're in a position to invest, then cool, like let's have that conversation. Is that useful? Yeah, super useful. Yep. It's going to help. I mean, it's helpful to get obviously someone like your perspective on, on the market for a lot of people who aren't having these conversations every day, watching the data and that kind of thing. So it's helpful. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. And it's like, you know, you see these kind of global mega trends and stuff as well. And I see that this is just, this is one of those, not global, but, you know, a national mm. mega trend. And it's like, you know, if people can kind of get their head around it, I think it's a huge opportunity for people to build wealth. But I think that's about it. <laughs> that's it. Awesome. Done. We're done. Well, if you, that's it. We're done. I think we're done. All right, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a comment. Make sure you subscribe. Wherever you are watching this or listening to this, really appreciate it. And of course, if you uh, have found this valuable, make sure you share it with a friend, family member, or loved one. Until next time, we'll see you soon. See ya.